1, verses 1 to 20. Actually, we're going to Luke chapter 2. Hey, loved ones, Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas, Hope Bible Church. Come on. So thankful to be here on behalf of our staff, on behalf of our elders. We want to welcome you here today. Hey, kids. Kids, where are the kids? Eyes up here. Eyes up here. Hey, kids, guess what? How many of you knew that God is pretty fired up about children? Put your hand up if you knew that. God's pretty fired up about children, so much so that he came as one. Amen? So thankful you're here. Eyes up. He's got a word for you today. Special welcome to all of our visitors here today. So thankful for all of you. And what an immense privilege we have right now, loved ones, to come together to celebrate God's good news of great joy. Hey, 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 anyone need to hear some good news of great joy today? Would we all agree on it? Yeah, I love the hand right there. Yes. The answer is yes. Do we ever need to hear the good news of great joy? See, we're, we're surrounded by a problem. And has anyone read the news lately? Anyone watched the news? Anyone taken your phone and scrolled through your news feed? Guess what most of the news is? It's bad news. It's confusing news. Some of it's fake news. It's news filled with hopelessness. News filled with death, with conflict, not peace. News filled with anger, not joy. News filled with division, not reconciliation. News filled with despair, not hope. News filled with fear, not faith. And news filled with death and not life. Would you agree? And what's the result of all this news that is around us saturating our lives and saturating our homes and our hearts and our minds? Here's what it results in. People desperately asking in and searching in their hearts, where's the hope? Where's the hope? You ever do that when you read the news? You just feel heavy afterwards? It's like, where's the hope? Where's the life? Where's the true good news of great joy that will last? The news that our souls are longing for. Where, where, where can I find the true good news that is going to last and doesn't hinge on what happens next in this world, what the next event is of the current day? The news that doesn't hinge on that. News that I can walk with eternal life and forgiveness and cleansing and hope and peace and joy and satisfaction and faith and confidence and salvation. Where is that news? And as a result of desperately searching for it, quite often, loved ones, we search for it in places in the world that we will not find it, and it is empty. And COVID-19 over this past year has revealed this to a whole other level. Everything that we were trying to find our satisfaction in and pursue our comfort in, whether it be money or jobs or social relationships or you name it, has come up empty. It cannot deliver the true good news and satisfaction and peace and hope we are longing for. Why? Why is this? Just look around us, loved ones. Let's be honest. Why is this? Because the only, the only good news that can give this is the God-given good news of great joy. 
Only God-given good news of great joy is what our hearts long for. Say this with me. Good news is God's news. Go ahead. Good news is God's news. We want good news. We got to get God's news. And here's the big idea of the Christmas story today that we're going to unpack. You'll see it on the screen. And here it is. Jesus is God's good news of great joy. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is God's good news of great joy. And all who believe in him will be saved. All who believe in him will be cleansed of sin All who believe in him will be satisfied, will find peace, will have joy, will have life. This is the good news of Christmas. This is why we celebrate. Hey, question. Eyes up here. Eyes up here. Let's get real. You want this good news? You want this good news? You can have it today. You want this good news? You can have it today. And here in our text, we're going to see two life-changing truths of God's good news of great joy and what it declares to us and through which we can be saved and have eternal life in Jesus Christ. This is the message of Christmas. And the question of Christmas is this, what will you do with Jesus? That's the question of Christmas. What will you and I do with Jesus today? All right, let's stand to honor the authority of God's word. We're going to read Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. And hey, it's the Christmas story, vintage Christmas story. You ready to go? Lord, help us to see it afresh. Let's read all this together. Loved ones, one voice to our King, the birth of Jesus Christ. Luke 2, verse 1. Let's go. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for I behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. Let's pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
This is the greatest truth of all time. There's no question about that. This is your plan of salvation. This is what we celebrate today. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming to earth, fully God, fully man, to save sinners, to give life, to overcome fear with faith. Anxiety with peace and despair with hope for eternity. Jesus Christ, would you come and manifest your presence here? Holy Spirit, fill my mouth, guard it from error. Say what you want to say through the awesome, awesome word of God. Have your way among us. Give us ears to hear afresh, eyes to see, and hearts to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, God's good news of great joy declares this. We see first off right here that God is, God is sovereign over all. God is sovereign over all. I love this. Nothing can stop God's good plans and purposes. Let me say it again. Nothing ever at any moment, any second can stop God's good plans and purposes. Here's the question confronting us from these first seven verses. Will you trust him though? Will you trust him? See, let's get our context right from verses one to seven. You see it right there. Here we are in Israel in the days of Mary's pregnancy with Jesus. And Rome is the dominant empire of the day. Rome has conquered most of the known world at the time, including Israel. And so Israel right now is under Roman oppression. They're under an oppressive government. And you'll see it on the screen there, the map of, just look at the magnitude of the Roman Empire. Everywhere in yellow you see has been conquered by Rome. And you see Judea, that is Israel right there, circled, massive. And so Caesar Augustus, as you see in verse 1, who is the ruler of the empire, he, or, what does he do? He orders a census of the entire empire. That would, that's what he means by all the world. It means all the Roman world, all of the Roman empire at the time. Why is he doing this? To number each nation by each family or tribe. And so that's why you see the text. Go back to the text in verse 3. All had to be registered in their hometowns or tribal origins. It's like I'm from London, Ontario. All right, my wife and I are from London, Ontario. But if there was a, this census was ordered, even though we live in Ottawa, we'd have to go back to London, Ontario, where we were born to be registered. And so here we see Mary and Joseph in verses four to five. You see that Mary and, and Joseph. Now notice that word betrothed in verse five. Go back to the text. Did you see it? There it is betrothed in verse 5. That means they are legally pledged to be married. They are not married yet. They have not consummated their marriage yet. Jesus Christ has been conceived by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary. But Joseph and Mary are betrothed. And what does this census mean? That means they are up in Nazareth. They need to go from Nazareth in northern Israel to Bethlehem. Because they were part of the tribe of Benjamin. Israel was divided into 12 tribes. And the tribe of Benjamin is where Bethlehem was located. And so that's their lineage. They were of the house and family line of King David. And so they needed to go back to Bethlehem to get registered. All right, And, and the reason why that lineage of David is so important is because it was from the lineage of David that the Messiah was prophesied that he would come from that family line. You see God's plan just orchestrating 
all of it, behind the scenes. There's the Lord at work through human events, all under the sovereignty of God. So you'll see a map of where they needed to go. I see it on the screen. There's Nazareth up north in Israel, and then you see Jerusalem down there. Now, I want you to picture, if any of you have been pregnant before, you know this isn't going to be a cakewalk, right? Going from Nazareth to Bethlehem, okay? And so um, this is 70 miles, Okay, we'll just keep it there, and then we're going to go to verse 6 and 7, and we're going to dive into that in a moment, okay? Just start to get your head in living in the text. So now look at verse 6 and 7, what happens. And while they're in Bethlehem, so they've made this grueling journey, 70-mile grueling trip, no Ubers, no, no like, hey, taxi cabs, nothing like that. You're walking and probably riding a donkey when you're almost ready to give birth. Wow. Notice what happened, 6 and 7. And while they were there, while Mary and Joseph were there, the time came, circle that phrase, the time came. That is so important. Don't overlook it. The time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. See, remember I told you to circle that phrase, the time came? Here's what that means. That's a fixed time. That's a fixed moment in history. That that was meant to be. It's not some random timing. Everyone say, God doesn't do random. He doesn't do random. That is a fixed moment in history. That is not man-generated. Nothing like that. It is God's timing and God's way that's at work. See, here's what we have to realize from these first seven verses. Okay? Uh, Caesar, as you see in verse 1, Caesar thinks he's orchestrating all of this. Caesar thinks he's the one in charge here. I've got the final say, he thinks. I'm the one causing the register. I'm the one ultimately doing all this. That's not true. See, Caesar thinks he's orchestrating all this. He's got all the power, but notice this. Behind the scenes... God is working out all of this in his sovereign authority and his power to fulfill his promise. And he's using an oppressive leader, Caesar himself, an oppressive Roman government to orchestrate the greatest miracle the world had ever seen. Now you try to tell me who can stop our God. It's not happening. The number one ruler in the world, most powerful, anti-God as it comes, as pagan as it comes, can't stop him. And God is actually using Caesar to orchestrate the greatest miracle in the world. And to accomplish his plan that he had before the foundation of the world. And we see this, you say, how do you know that? It's a big saying. Yeah, you bet it is. And so here's some proof for you. This is just one out of many. Approximately 700 years earlier, the prophet Micah, 
under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he prophesied this when he said, you'll see it on the screen, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, because Bethlehem is just a tiny little town. Benjamin is just a tiny little tribe. If people were thinking, oh, the Messiah, he's coming from Judah. It's the massive place. Jerusalem, it's the capital city. No, he's coming from Bethlehem. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. Isn't that awesome? Nothing can stop the Lord. You cannot stop him in his sovereignty from accomplishing his good plans and purposes. So you'll see on the screen, I used to live in Israel, and so I lived about 10 minutes from Bethlehem, in Jer- and I lived in Jerusalem. That is the, called the Church of the Nativity, and that's the church over the place right now that they believe Jesus Christ was born. And when Hope Ottawa takes its trip to Israel, Lord willing, everyone say Lord willing, We might be able to stand right there. Come on. You see that big courtyard? Because thousands upon thousands of pilgrims gather there. And you can go into the grotto and all of that and see all of that. Now, I just just want to encourage us with this. Just watch that and hear the word of God and be encouraged with this. No matter what is happening around us in society today, no matter the bad news, no matter the the heartbreaking news, the fear-inducing news, the struggles, the anxieties that we have. I just want to encourage you with this. No matter the pandemic or conflicts, no matter how hard the struggles may be, don't forget Mary, 70 miles when she's pregnant, no comfy supplies, none of this. God's sustaining her. He's sustaining her. Yes, God works in and through the trials, doesn't he? When it's hard. See, no matter what government is in power, no matter what decisions they make, hey, listen, be encouraged, all is submitted under one authority. And that is the authority of Jesus Christ. And as Proverbs 21.1 says, the heart of a king is like a stream of water in the hands of the Lord, and he turns it any way he wishes. You cannot stop him. You be comforted with that today. You cannot stop him. He will accomplish In his timing, according to his perfect wisdom and plan, he will accomplish his good purpose for his people and for his glory out of his love for us, out of his goodness to us, and he will build his kingdom. Nothing can stop it. Even when, even when we can't see how he's working. Has anyone experienced any doubt in God's work over the last year? Like, God, are you really working? Is this really, like, can I really trust you? Hey, 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 the answer is yes. Even when we can't understand why things are happening. God, what are you doing? Why is it so hard? Why, what is happening around? That's what Mary and Joseph are doing. That's what the people of Israel are saying right now. We can trust him, though, knowing that he's over it and working it out. Everyone say, God's working it out. God's working it out. And how do you know? Just look at, be, be encouraged. These are beautiful Christmas verses that you can so easily miss. Isaiah 46 9b to 10. You'll see it on the screen. It says this. I love how God says this. For I am God and there is no other. Boom. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring, notice this, the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done. 
saying this. Here's the word of the Lord for us today. Here's what it was in, right now in these moments in Luke 2. My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Even when you feel like you want to run. Even when you're feeling afraid when it gets hard. The word of the Lord says, I will accomplish all my purpose. You stand firm. See, nothing, nothing can stop God's good plans and purposes. But here's the question. Will you trust him? Even amidst all of the bad news around, will you trust him? See, submitting to his timing and his way for your good and his glory, even when you can't see, when you're tempted to control the situation, when you're tempted to run, when it gets hard and even there's grief. Some of us in this room, the holidays are a time filled with grief. As we remember the lost loved ones, and this is in my family, as we lost our daughter. And it can be filled with grief. But will we trust that the Lord is at work, his good plans and purposes, and be comforted by him? Or will we try to run? Hey, who are you trusting in right now? The sovereign self or the sovereign God? Hey, loved ones, I just want to encourage you with this. If you're, if you're struggling with unbelief and doubt, and we, and we do at times, don't we? You know, I was so comforted. I was doing my devotions this morning. I'm on my couch, and I plugged in one of my favorite things, plug in the Christmas lights on the tree, and then boom, these gold lights come up. And every time I see those Christmas lights now, I'm reminded God is sovereign and can't be stopped. Every time, tonight, tonight, some of y'all going, you know, Christmas caroling or doing drives by the lights. Every time you see a light, you remind yourself, no matter what's going on in this world, God is sovereign and can't be stopped. And he's working it all out for his glory. He did it through Caesar. He's going to do it through us and through the people in this time. Look up. See the lights, read his word, draw near, cast your anxieties on him, and rest in him and find peace. Jesus is God's good news of great joy, a joy that declares he is sovereign over all and can be trusted. And from this, here we go, ready? Secondly, we see that God's good news of great joy is that God offers. What does he offer? Salvation to all. He is sovereign over all, and therefore, he's the only one that can offer salvation to all. And the truth is this, God grants salvation through Jesus alone. Hear that again. God grants salvation through Jesus alone. Will you believe in him? Will you believe in him? Verses 8 to 14, so beautiful. Maybe many of us know them in this room. After the birth of Jesus, now more of the kingdom of heaven's getting involved. I love this. You see this? After the birth of Christ, now more of the kingdom of heaven's getting involved in declaring the good news of great joy. And what is this good news? Here it is. God offering salvation to the world to save us from our sin and grant us peace with God and eternal life in him. And we see three truths. Ready? Get your pens ready. These three greatest truths of all time. Three truths of God's gift of salvation that we must believe if we are to receive it and have life in him. No more fear. No more anxiety. No more hopelessness. 
If we believe and embrace these three truths of God's plan of salvation, first off, we see this, that salvation comes to the humble. Salvation comes to the humble. Go back to the text, verses 8 to 10. And in the same region, that is the region of Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. This is awesome. Just live in the text. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. There's no fear. There's no fear when we, when we believe in the Messiah. There's no more fear of death. There's no more fear. There's eternal life. There is joy. There is satisfaction. There is peace. Yes, there will be trials. Yes, things will get hard at times, but we don't have to be afraid of it because we are anchored to Jesus who has overcome the world. And we don't have to live in the grip of fear anymore. He says, fear not for behold. Why? Why do we not have to be afraid? For, circle the word for. This is the reason. For I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. See, think about this. Think about this. Out of all the people in the world that God could have announced the birth of the Messiah to, notice what he did. God didn't choose those in high up positions. He's not revealing them to Caesar. He's not even revealing them to the Pharisees. He's not revealing them to the temple leaders and the rulers. And who's he going to? He's not, he's not revealing it to those who are deemed successful in the world's eyes. Who's he revealing them to? He chose shepherds. See verse 8? He chose shepherds. Now, what's up with shepherds? Shepherds, back in this day, they were the lowliest, seriously, they were the lowliest, most non-influential occupation there was. They were looked down upon the most. If you were a shepherd, you weren't going around saying, yeah, I'm a shepherd, and expecting to get into the exclusive social circles. That's not going to happen. You were actually considered ceremonially unclean for what you did. And look who God reveals the Messiah to. He chose those of humble estate. And you know what? I love this. This came in prep. I was really blessed by that. He even chose the ones on the night shift. Who really likes working the night shift? Maybe some of you do. But like, who likes the night shift? Nah, these guys got the night shift. It's not, it's not, it's not going well for them. See, they knew. They were the ones. They didn't expect this. They knew they didn't deserve the gift of God. They were the ones that knew they needed it desperately. They were the outcasts. They were the ones who this world looks down upon. They couldn't earn it. These guys knew. These shepherds knew. They couldn't earn anything with God. They couldn't earn any favor. They couldn't earn any love with him by their own efforts, by their accomplishments. They were completely dependent on him for it. And same for you and I today. We cannot earn the gift of salvation with God. We cannot make God love us more by cleaning things up or living some moral life. Well, as long as I do better than the next guy, I'll get to heaven. It's not working like that. You see, God will always draw near to the humble, to those who know they need him. And to those who truly know they have no hope without him, God will draw near to the humble. 
And notice this, verse 9. The angel appears suddenly and a light of the glory of God. The word glory there in verse 9 means the majesty of God, the presence of God, the splendor of God, the power of God, all on these hills in Bethlehem. It pierces the darkness. The light of God pierces the darkness of night, and they are greatly terrified. And then you look at verse 10. Go back to the text. Verse 10. The angel reassures them by telling them not to have great fear, but to have great joy. Not great fear. Great joy at the good news, the gospel news that they are about to hear that won't just be for the Jews. But did you see that? It's for all people. You say, I'm too far gone. I've done too much stuff in my life for God to save me. Not just read the word of God. It's for all people. It's for you. It's for me. There is no place you can go that is too far from the saving grace of God. It's for every tribe, every tongue, every nation, for those who humble themselves to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. I'm not going to pay lip service to you and say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I need you. Help me. Hey, question, question. Eyes up here, right, right here. What are you going to do with Jesus, loved ones? Will you humble yourself? Secondly, we see this. Salvation comes to the humble, but also salvation only comes. Hear this, hear this, loved ones. I plead with you. Salvation only comes through Jesus. It only comes through Jesus. Look at verses 11 and 12. It's so clear. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in the manger. See that? The angel boldly proclaims the gospel right here. Here's the first preaching of the gospel. Boom! Right there. To these lowly, ceremonially, unclean, excluded shepherds. The angel boldly proclaims the gospel and tells them that in the city of David, there it is again, Bethlehem, Jesus is born, and he's the Savior, Christ the Lord. Now, notice the three titles. Did you see them? Did you see them? That's one of the greatest verses right there. Boom, verse 11. Here's the three titles of Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're wondering, like, who is Jesus? Here, the word of God. Let the word of God speak to you today. First off, you see there, he's the Savior. He's the Savior. What does Savior mean? He's the Deliverer. He is the deliverer from sin, the one through whom God gives salvation. Only Jesus can deliver you from death to eternal life. And see the second thing there, it says he's the Savior Christ. The word Christ means Messiah. It means Messiah. Now notice that he is the Messiah. That's exclusive. There are no other Messiahs. There's no one else who can save you. No matter what this world says, no matter what other people say, hear the word of the Lord, the one who is sovereign over all things. There is one Messiah, and his name is Jesus Christ, the exclusively, the promised one from God, and the only one who can save. And then it says, oh, I love this. keeps getting better. Did you see the last one? The Lord. Christ the Lord. What's this? That's an exclusive claim of deity, that Jesus is God Almighty himself. He's not created. He wasn't some ghost that looked like a man. He is God Almighty himself, fully God, fully man. And there's lots claiming to be the Lord and Savior these days. Even actually, that was the title for Caesar. Caesar claimed himself to be Savior and Lord. And here's the angel being like, "Uh uh-uh, there's only one. 
And then he says, you're going to get the proof. See the proof? Verse 12. Shepherds are probably thinking they're going, to, they're going to need to go to a palace with lots of pomp. What does he do? He says, the Savior, Jesus, is a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. God Almighty who himself, who is, here's the message of Christmas, ready? Who has come to earth, fully God and fully man. Who has come to live a perfect life. Who has come to die to pay the penalty for our sin, and to take the wrath of God upon himself that separates us from God. He has come to earth. He's come to live. He's come to die. And here it is. He's come to rise. He's come to rise to defeat death and offer forgiveness of sin and eternal life to all who humble themselves, repent of their sin, and by faith confess him as Lord and Savior. Loved ones, hail the incarnate deity. He has come to save. Salvation comes to the humble. Lord, I need you. Salvation comes only through Jesus. Lord, I see you. I see it and I believe. And salvation comes, ready? Notice the text, verse 13 and 14. Jesus has come for peace. For peace. Look at 13 and 14 right here. And suddenly, so no longer is it just one angel, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he stood. Hey, can we just read that again? I don't want to be the only one saying this. There's a multitude here for a reason. So let's read verse 14 together. Ready to go? Let's go. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Beautiful. See, after the gospels preach, the choir shows up. Yeah, come on. A heavenly choir shows up. And the word multitude there, the Greek word actually means army. An angelic army shows up. Myriads and myriads of angels. Thousands of them. Just picture yourself. You're that shepherd on that hill. And boom, the sky cracks open. And you're seeing this. And what do they declare? That God is to receive all glory in the highest. That means in all of heaven. All of heaven. For his work of salvation as he reveals out of his grace and pleasure towards man. He calls those, he draws those people to himself for salvation and he reveals himself to them and they by faith believe in and surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Notice what it says, they will have peace with God. Peace in this life, no matter what's going on. Yes, the temptation for anxiety will come, but you cast that on the Lord and you have his peace. He keeps us in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on him. But then peace with God in a right relationship reconciled to him here on earth and for all eternity forgiven justified no longer his enemy no longer separated by him from him and destined for hell for eternity but given his rest and peace through eternal life in his presence for eternity this is god's good news of great joy welcome to christmas welcome to christmas hey question Eyes up here. Key question right here. Eyes up. There it is. There it is. Do you have peace with God? Do you truly have peace with God? Because at the end of the day, that's all that's going to matter. Do you truly have peace with him? 
through salvation in Christ alone. I love how John Piper is a pastor. He, he describes Christmas this way. You'll see it on the screen. He says, Christmas is the Son of God expressing the love of God to save us from the wrath of God so we could enjoy the presence of God. There it is. Do you have peace with God? Will you be in his presence for eternity? See, God grants salvation through Jesus alone, church. Will you believe in him? Will you believe in Jesus alone? This is the question of Christmas. What will you? Don't worry about what anyone else is doing in this moment. Just hear hear my voice right here. What will you do with Jesus today? Eyes up here. What will you do with Jesus today? He is God's good news of great joy that declares God is sovereign over all. And because of that, he offers salvation to all. How will you respond? Is it going to be just another Christmas? Let it go by? Not really sure if you have peace with God? Not really sure what's going to happen next? And if you're here and you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, hey, I want to encourage you, just like these shepherds, will you humble yourself? Will you repent of your sin and confess him as Lord? It's just so clear. You can make all the excuses you want. It's so clear right here that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is the only way that you may have peace with God. Will you believe? And brothers and sisters who maybe have heard this Christmas story hundreds of times over your life, let me ask you this question. Is the gift of Jesus and the salvation and peace with God that you have because of Christ, is that still good news of great joy to you? Does that invoke the response that we are about to see right here? Do you still respond as we see Mary and the shepherds in 15 to 20? First off, here it is. Do you still respond by proclaiming it? Look at, look at 15 to 18. When the angels went away from them, that is the shepherds into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, they're fired up. They're like, look at this. They said, let's go over to Bethlehem and see, and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. Are we still going with haste to Jesus today? Is he still our first love with fervency and passion to say, you are the good news of great joy and I don't deserve it, but you came and died for me. Are we going with haste? And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And look at the response. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Are you making him known? Are you? Not just when you first got saved and you're all excited, but if you've been saved for 20 years, is the passion of Jesus going to him, the good news of great joy, still on your lips and in your life? Increasingly, fervently. And secondly, are we proclaiming him? And here we go. Here, a good one for Christmas. Are we pondering him? Verse 19, are we still pondering him in your heart as Mary did? Or are you just distracted from him? With, okay, this meal, and this gift, and this, this person, and this thing. This, all good things in and of themselves. But are they the most important things? Look at what Mary does in verse 19. But Mary, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in your heart. Let me ask you a question. Do you still treasure Jesus? 
Is Jesus, hey, hey, let's break it down. Eyes up here, eyes up here. Is Jesus still a treasure to you or is he simply useful to you? Do we approach him? Yeah, Jesus, I need this. Help me with this. Give me this. Give me this. Give me this. Rub my genie lamp. Just, just give it on down. Or is it, Jesus, you are my treasure. I just want to sit with you. Please show me your beauty and your glory today that I may love you more. Are we still there? Is he still a treasure? Or is he just useful? And finally is this. Are you praising Are you responding in praise? Look at verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told. Are we praising him? Is his praise on our lips, on our minds, on our hearts as we go about this season? Hey, I want to encourage you. We put together a a Christmas playlist for our church. It was in our e-news this week. Click on the link and just worship with your families through that over and over and over and over. This week, praising God. Let his praise ever be on your lips for the good news of great joy. See, this is, right here, God's good news of great joy. This is Jesus. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the good news of great joy. I thank you so much. My faith is so stoked right now. It is so filled. And I pray that for each of the people here, the men, the women, the child that you have brought here to sit under your word. I pray that we would be seeing you afresh today. I pray that your proclamation would be on our lips as we leave here. We wouldn't just be going to the next meal, opening the next gift, doing the next activity. Okay, fine, that's great. But, but, are you of first importance Are we proclaiming you? And I pray that in amidst the distractions, Lord, of this holiday, the good distractions, but still, may we carve out time to ponder you and to treasure you and say, Jesus, help me to love you more. Help me to love you more than this world, than myself, than my sin, and that your praise would ever be on our lips. And I pray specifically for those people right now who are here, who maybe are hearing the truth of the gospel, the truth of the Christmas story for the first time right now, I pray you would, in your grace to them, be opening their eyes to see the truth, opening their ears to respond and their hearts to be stirred, to say, yes, Lord, I believe. I'm through running. I can't get to you on my own. I've been paying lip service to you, but I don't truly believe. Oh, Lord, may many have peace with God today through the beautiful work of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord. Lead us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your son taking on flesh and coming to earth to die for us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Church, will you stand and respond in worship with us today? And let's sing loud. Praise.